Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the We Got Balls podcast. My name is Steve Trudeau. I am joined today by my co-host and good friend, Michael Almeida. Buddy, how are you? I'm doing well, Steve. It was a beautiful day in Massachusetts. Got to get outside, got to get to the beach. How about you, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Got the week off, so it's nice, very relaxing, chill week for me. You know who's not doing well is our other co-host, Emmanuel Pacheco. Apparently, he's stuck in some major traffic out there in Toronto. I I highly doubt it, Steve. What we're seeing is, uh, you know, the Trevor Story treatment where he's upset about Kyle Lowry, and he's like, I'm not talking sports today. I'm just not coming in. He's taking himself out of the lineup, and he's upset. And it's totally understandable, but he's got to get over it. I know that he's going to be looking for a new job now, not being able to run the Kyle Lowry fan page. <laughs> but we'll just have to figure it out, man. You know, it's okay. You know, maybe a couple of AA meetings or something, you know, have them all set. But he's just, he's really upset. I could see him in a dark room playing boys to men right now as we speak. The end of the road. So hopefully he comes and joins us at some point in that traffic breaks. But we're recording um, on Monday, August 2nd. And it's a significant day because it's a big transaction day in the NBA. But we also had a lot of transactions in the MLB on Friday because it was the MLB trade deadline. So, Mike, I'll let you start. Pick where you want to start with this show today. I want to start by talking about how many deals there was. This was like literally when you play franchise mode in MLB or 2K and just everything's going crazy. You're like, wait, what? That can't be true. They traded him. This is ridiculous. But as the these live events happen and we're on, I want Steve to be like uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and just come out and say Woj bomb after Woj bomb today. Yeah, so if I get any updates in basketball, I will give you an update. Um, But so we had on our Twitter poll, we actually have a Twitter at Golf Balls Podcast. I put out a poll this week regarding the most impactful trade in MLB trade deadline. And Mikey, I want your opinion on this, okay? So there were four options for people who voted. We had about 70 votes. Uh, We had Joey Gallo to the Yankees, Max Scherzer to the Dodgers, Kyle Schwarber to the Red Sox, or Craig Kimbrell to the White Sox. So I want to ask you, Mikey, before I reveal what the audience uh, gave, what do you think was the most impactful of those four trades? Oh, it's Scherzer to the Dodgers, without a doubt. Like, it's not going to be close. Scherzer, then my second one would be Gallo, then Craig Kimball, then the Red Sox deal. Yeah, and the fans agree with you. Uh, with 48% of the vote, Max Scherzer on our Twitter poll at Got Balls Podcast uh, chose Max Scherzer to the Dodgers as the most impactful trade deadline acquisition. I got to agree with you, man. They they lost, looks like, um, what's his face, Bauer for the season. I don't think he's coming back at this point. So they lost a big starting arm. They added one of the better pitchers in MLB, Max Scherzer. So their title chances got a lot better. Trudeau, I don't know if you actually saw these reports, but there's reports that leaked information came from two, not one, but two employees from the Dodger locker room saying that the players do not want Bauer back and that he's basically a, I don't know from word to word, but an outcast in the locker room. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I did see that. And that kind of paints the picture as to why they've taken such an aggressive approach with keeping him away from the clubhouse, right? Uh, originally, it was, I think, 10 days, and they extended it another 10 days. And it looks like it's indefinite at this point, And I don't think he's coming back. 
Well, also think. So this is a big situation that the Dodgers have going for them going into the offseason. You have Chris Taylor, who's probably their best player right now. Um, you know, he they're joking around calling him Superman. It's his contract year. He's not really a glimmer, glamour kind of guy. He's more in the shadows, like that that quiet uncle that just drinks quietly in the corner and doesn't bother and maybe smiles once in a while. And then you have Clayton Kershaw, which is the family man and one of the leaders in the clubhouse and has been since he's been called up. And then you have Jansen. None of those guys are going to want, well, I don't care if Jansen comes back or not (laughs) besides the other two, but none of those guys kind of want that flashiness um, and the, you know, the parading around after a clean inning. And yeah, so the Dodgers bringing Scherzer in and thinking that, dude, Scherzer is like not even the best player they acquired in that trade. They got Trey Turner, not for one year, but two years. And it's, it's unbelievable. Andrew Friedman, I think right now they're building a statue of Andrew Friedman outside Dodgers stadium, like right this instant. That's why they took the day off. Yeah, I mean, they put all their chips into the center. They're going all in for a back-to-back World Series title, and it looks like this might happen. Although, if you look at the standings right now, they're not first in their division. It's uh, pretty much a three-headed race between the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres. Do you have any uh, guesses of who's going to actually break out and win this thing? I still think the Dodgers are going to um, surpass the Giants. The reason I say this is, obviously... The Dodgers are one of my favorite teams, but the other thing is their pitching is better, even with everyone that's hurt. Um, it comes down, it starts on the mound and ends on the mound. I will tell you this. I've watched every Giant and Dodger game that they've played, and those Giants, man, they're so focused. They they don't make many mistakes. They don't have any of these guys that are crazy besides Chris Bryant right now coming up. But those guys just are, they're focused, they're ready to play, they limit their mistakes, they hit home runs. That's like their main offense is they hit home runs. And Chris Bryant's just an amazing addition for them. That was a big trade. That was like probably the last trade of the day, the last big one. Um, And good for the Giants. Like, they're here early. Um, no one thought they would be here. They we, we knew the Padres coming in and the Dodgers were going to go back and forth, but the Giants are, they're a great team. It's going to be a really fun next 50, 50 games for both clubs. Yeah, and I got to give kudos to the Dodgers organization for handling the situation with Bauer so well. Usually we give MLB teams a lot of shit for like not being proactive and taking care of their business and you know keeping the clubhouse a happy place. But they, they saw that it was causing issues. They saw that it was problematic for their image. They just took care of the issue, and it's it's been kind of out of the news um, since then. So good for them. Shout out to the Houston uh, Texans. You guys could probably take a take a lead from that one and maybe wisen up a little bit and do something instead of just being an ostrich with your head in the sand. But we won't get into that today. So speaking of that division, before I ask you for another trade or about other trades with the MLB deadline, so we saw that the Padres lost their best player this week, and we don't know how severe the injury is. Can you explain that one? It's Tatis, correct? So what happened is, if you know anything about Fernando Tatis, he's very raw still. So he was making a slide into third. He slid wrong, um, and his shoulder popped out of its socket. It's the shoulder that's been bothering him that 
Um, I believe the first one was partially out of the socket. This one was a full one. They were worried that they wouldn't be able to just pop it in. They did pop it in. They're going to see what happens after the 10-day IL stint, but their manager, Tingler, has said that um i know it's a funny name it's, their manager's really named tingler it's like something like whatever he's actually pretty good though i can't really stand him walking out but i like him better than woodward the manager for for uh the rangers and i bet you you like will like him better than your favorite manager out in the old white Sox oh, dugout. Good old we'll tony. Get uncle tony but long story short there's a real chance that he might have season-ending surgery which it's bad for the game. We don't want that to happen, especially with what happened to Acuna. But it is what it is. Like it, it, this might be like the NBA playoffs. It's whatever team's the most healthy going into it. Um, just with all the injuries this year, but we knew that coming in. That was one of the things we talked about when season started for both leagues. So um, yeah, it's a tough, tough break, and they're going to have to rally. And the Padres didn't do much um, when it came to the deadline. You know, they got Frazier, who's an excellent player, but they need that depth. And I feel like they're not as deep as some of the other clubs. Yeah, I mean, they still have a good offense outside of Tatis. Um, Tommy fans, Bam's doing great for them. Manny Machado's having an excellent year. Uh, I know the Snell thing hasn't worked out, but their pitching staff's been okay. They've, they've kind of held their own a little bit. I still think they sneak into the playoffs. I'm looking at the standings now. Um, I actually think all three teams from that division make it into the playoffs, the Dodgers, Padres, and Giants. I know you're big into the Reds. You think the Reds are going to put on a, a tear at the end of the season. But I'm looking right now. They're four games behind the Padres as of today on Monday. And you know my favorite stat in baseball is run differential, which essentially is your runs given up versus the runs you've scored. So it kind of gives you an idea of how many how dominant your team has been on both sides of the uh, you know of the field. Anyways, so the Padres are standing at plus 93. The Reds are plus one. So even though they're four games different in standing, that run differential kind of tells you that the Padres have really handled their business in the games they've won. I think the Padres are going to make the playoffs, but I think the Reds are going to make it difficult. And the reason I also say this is their their group, right, with the Cubs – the Cardinals and the Pirates are so bad and they're going to be able to play those guys where the Padres are going to have to play the Dodgers. They play the Giants a ton down the the line. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. Plus if you look at the Padres strength of schedule, it's in the middle. They have like a pretty decent break where they'll be able to figure out stuff, but it sucks to know that your team is really relying on this guy. Hosmer has not been good. Um, who I'm, blanking on their right fielder um who had a career year uh Myers Myers was oh, really, Will Myers right yeah he did awesome last year his numbers are down across the board your boy's been killing it though who's my boy Cronenworth has been oh, absolutely fantastic but the other thing that it's kind of stinks to see the Padres and I was going to bring this up later but this is a perfect time too is how much like players that they traded away who are just killing it in other clubs Mm. you know ty france is doing awesome um who did they traded someone to cleveland their center he broke his leg but he was killing it at a point i think it was uh naylor and then 
the Francisco Mejia for Tampa Bay has been absolute fantastic and was great yesterday against the Red Sox. Um, you know, it, it, you're starting to see these guys flourish and being like, oh, wow, the Padres were really that deep. But you have to make trades to get better, and they're in a win-now mode. But, you know, hopefully they can figure something out. I have a question because you've been following baseball way more than me. How has you Darvish been for the uh, Padres this year? He's been solid. He's uh, been bumpy the last couple of starts, but, you know, he's been good. You know, um, the hard part for them is the other guys haven't been that good. You well, know, that's what I was going to say, because they acquired Darvish and they acquired Snell in the offseason. And obviously we know Snell has not worked out at all. So I'm wondering if either of those acquisitions have, have really worked out for them. Well, it's one of those things where let's see how Darvish does in the playoffs, right? Because that's that's why he's there. And yeah, that's never a good face. sign. If you're like, well, let's see if he's any better in the playoffs, the answer is usually no. Well, think about this, okay? Let's say your prediction's right, which I think it's going to be, where the Padres make the wild card game. And let's say it's against oh, how the Dodgers. How fun would that be, though? How fun would that be? Oh, man. That's one of those games where you're, I wonder. You know what's funny, Trudeau, is. Before they used to always play the American League game, right? Mm-hmm. Secondary to the National League wild card game, and I, I don't know how you do that, right? You have to have that game be the second one. Like I'd have them on the same day, right, and do them like a back to back, so you have to watch the first game. But they either might, way, because you'll have uh, in the National League, you'll probably have two West Coast teams, so you could stagger them in the same day. But I will say one thing before before um, you get in really quick. I know you were very big on the Reds maybe making a run and making it hard. But now that I'm thinking about the Reds, they really have only been great the past couple weeks because Joey Votto is having this like historic tear um, offensively. And you, I don't think that's going to keep up. That's kind of an aberration. He's very old. He's been bad for several years. He's just having an amazing month of, uh, you know, he had amazing July. So I think that kind of tails off and you see the Reds kind of fall back to where they should be. I think that they possibly they're, you know, the worst thing you can give a team, an opposing team is hope. And they have a lot of hope right now. So we'll see. They made a lot of trades during the deadline, acting like they were still in it and they were going to go for another, you know, get into the playoffs like they did last year. So they're a fun team. It'll be fun for, Right now, you don't want what's happening in the NL where there's only two teams that maybe sneak in for that one spot. Whereas in the American League, there's five, six teams going for the two spots. You want stuff like that so that more fan bases are in it. But um, yeah, it's going to be fun. But I obviously think that the Padres are going to, you know, get in there. But it's going to be, you know, let's say you're Jay Stingler. You're, You're the guy, right? Who is your... One going into it. Who's your ace? You're not gonna play the freaking bullpen game. That'd be terrible. You Darvish, you have to go with you Darvish as your roll him out there. It's not imagine great. okay. Now let's let's flip your hat, right? You're Dave Roberts. Everybody's uh-huh. healthy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who do you go with? Yeah, but here's the thing like we obviously know we can agree, like if you put both teams next to each other, the Padres and Dodgers, hands down, Dodgers are the better team. However, in that wild card scenario, it's three game sample size, and baseball is weird, man. Anything can happen, especially in three games. No, it's not three games. It's oh, is one it just game one game? It's, it's one game. Did they do that a three game sample size before? They, the yeah, past? so so this past one was three games. So okay. everyone had to play That's three my games. Apologies, right? 
No, no, it's totally. So that's even worse. Like a one game sample size, anybody can win. So even though the Dodgers are the better team, the Padres could easily win one game. Well, they had to switch it to this because a lot of teams didn't care if they were going to be the wild card. So they'd start resting players and stuff like that. Now everybody's afraid of that one game. So mm-hmm. they everybody's kind of like those gym class hero tryhards. Like you, you got to go for it at the end. But yeah, so it's, it's going to be really fun. So I actually want to ask you about another trade deadline move that was that was done by the Boston Red Sox that I found to be a bit peculiar. Peculiar. It's a tough word apparently for me. Uh, so they've acquired Kyle Schwarber from the Nationals, which when I look at the Red Sox roster, I think that they probably need to improve their pitching staff rather than um, their offense. But they seem to think otherwise. So they're adding more bats. They didn't add any pitchers that I know of at the deadline. So what's going on there? Um, I feel like, you know, Bloom, who's their GM, is kind of in the, I want to stay underneath the cap. That's the number one priority. That's been their number one priority since they've traded Mookie. And the next part is he's playing with house money, right? They're here early, right? Um, You know, they could care less. Well, I shouldn't say that. They're a team that wasn't expecting to do much, and now they – as of last night was in first place, but now, you know, they're going to have to hold it up. And to let you know, they traded their number 19 um, farmhand out of their system, which it's is, ton. which was a pitcher. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not, that's not a lot to give up. I will say that you said that they're ahead of schedule and I agree that, you know, people didn't, wouldn't really peg them to be this, this good, this late in the season. However, I don't think that Boston fans think that way. I think that, they expect to win every year. So even though the organization should be happy about overachieving, I think the fan base will pretty much demand that, you know, you need to do more. You need to win now. I'm not going to like, I don't want to be an ass, but I feel like the Fenway group has kind of turned into the Liverpool group and they care more about soccer than their baseball team. It's like, Oh, you know, it's like when you get a new car and you still have another nice car, like screw that nice car. I'm just going to drive the new one for quite a while. So that's how I see it. I mean, I don't think you're wrong. They've been very aggressive um, in the English Premier League, spending money and less aggressive in baseball. And that's one of the problems when you own both a baseball team and a professional soccer team. Both sports don't have a true salary cap. So your owner really can just spend where they want and not, you know, uh, take from one business to feed the other if they'd like to. And that's what we're kind of seeing here. Yeah. And remember, he also had some feelers out there to sell the Red Sox a couple years back. So, oh, God, we'll, that would that would fetch a lot of money right now. Uh, you know, and something we should bring up on a show for all the sports is like who we'd like to see ousted as owners and get better owners in there because there's guys dying I to be owners. Have- Several right off the top of my head <laughs> that should be gone. Name one for uh, MLB, just because MLB. Yeah, Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, because I, I didn't have any for MLB, but now that I'm thinking about it, I would probably want to get rid of the Rays owner, even though oh. he's been a great owner. He will never spend money, and if they are close, he's going to refuse to spend more money and, and get free agents. I mean, it's worked for them so far. They haven't needed to spend the money, but could you imagine if they got someone who actually wanted to win in there? They'd be unstoppable. I feel like 
that's what they're going to have to do before they expand is clean out some of these old like ownerships that make no sense to keep a team like Jeff Fisher at in Oakland and also the owner of the pirates but yeah let's move on to some of the other trades uh boston i totally get what you're saying um it's gonna be a fun race the al east is stacked right now yeah um, well, I, I have so. my opinions on this too the al east go ahead what what's your opinion who do you like winning it all in the al east in the al east i think it's tough i'm a Rays fan i think the rays have enough to hold on um, it's interesting with the Rays because we, you obviously saw in this offseason, they traded away Snell, which was a fantastic move, it comes to find out. Um, they didn't re-sign Charlie Morton, and then their best pitcher, Tyler Glass, now got hurt a couple months ago and is going to need Tommy John surgery now. So you would think their pitching staff would be atrocious at this point. However, they actually have one of the best, I think I heard in the broadcast last night, one of the best three or four pitching staffs um, ERA-wise in the all of baseball. So their pitching has been fantastic. They just called up some prospects and wander Frank or uh, Franco, which is one of the best prospects in MLB. They added Nelson Cruz. So as a whole, as a team, as a whole, they have no holes in my opinion. So I think the Rays will hold on to the top spot. What a special time to be a Rays fan too. Like I, I hope they make it to the playoffs. I want to see Tropicana filled with fans and Gracie brought up a great point last time. Imagine if the World Series could have went on in 2020, how cool it would be to see the Rays and having all their fans there for $35 altogether. <laughs> sold they, out still, they still would not have filled up the upper deck. They would have kept that close probably. Even well, yeah, in the World Series. <laughs> place is probably falling apart. Um so yeah, so okay, you got the Rays. How about that coveted uh wild card? spots it's going to be very interesting so i have my opinions on the wild card i think you and you're going to hate me for this and we've already had many discussions i think the houston astros uh, retain that first spot in their division so i think the a's are in the wild card race however i'm looking at the wild card now you got boston in first with the first spot the a's are three games behind but right behind them the yankees the mariners no one believes in them but the toronto <laughs> blue jays and you know I love run, run differential. I've already said it once before. The Blue Jays are way better than the record suggests. They have a positive 104 run differential, which is almost, no, it is. It's uh, twice as good as the next best run differential in that wild card group. I think the Blue Jays, because now they have the whole country of Canada behind them, now that they're in Toronto again, I think they make a huge leapfrog. I'm, I'm thinking the, the wild card matchup is going to be the Red Sox the Blue Jays, I think the A's missed the playoffs. I think the Yankees continue to, their disappointment, missed the playoffs. And uh, really big look-ahead prediction, I think if the Yankees missed the playoffs this year, bye-bye Cashman. He's out as the GM of the Yankees. You think Cashman's out? I think Boone's out. I don't know if Cashman is. I think is. they're all gone. Uh, They've been underachieving for years now. I feel like the Blue Jays are the Padres of last year. They're exciting. They're young. I love, well, I love that they got Jose Barrios, but I don't like what they gave up for him. Um, you know, Robbie Ray's having a great year. Hangun Ru is always great. Like he's lifted expectations, in my opinion, 
you know, he's been absolutely phenomenal for them. That's been a great contract. And they haven't even been able to trot out their number one prospect in Pearson. So we'll see what happens. They're going to be the Blue Jays. I can see them sneaking in, but I don't think, I don't think the Red Sox are going to make it. I don't know why. I feel I like we've been doubting them all year, though, and they consistently just keep winning. It's weird. Can we agree that they're kind of like the Giants? <laughs> you know, like one of those teams no, that yeah. might just be focused. They're just really want after a disappointing season and kind of an embarrassing season last year and adding guys like Kiki Hernandez as much as it kills me as a Dodger fantasy. He is absolutely doing fantastic things there and kind of changed the mindset. Um, JD Martinez has been great and he's playing on the field. I watched him during the Rays game. I just don't know. I, I, I have a funny feeling. Their pitching is extremely suspect. I mean, they're, Theoretically, we'll have Chris Sale back um, within a few weeks, you know, through two or three weeks. So that should, in theory, help them. But coming back from a Tommy John injury and surgery of that nature, you don't know what you're going to get when he comes back to the mound. Like, usually they're okay. But with Tommy John injuries, if you don't know what it is, they basically take um, tendons from other parts of your body. So you're behind your knee or whatever, and they put it in your elbow. So they replace the tendons. And the healing process, once you start pitching, you could have some very strange setbacks because it just takes a while to get used to it. So I wouldn't be surprised if Sale came back, looked great for a while, then had a few bad starts. And that's worrisome, especially when you get to the postseason if he's your number one. Well, I also think that, remember, you have to you have to get his arm going, which is his first game is going to be like, what, maybe 30 pitches? You know, yeah. it's going to be a piggyback game and you're talking about mid-August, and you're asking this guy to play. He's not going to be playing the Royals. And, <laughs> you know, the o, well, he'll play the O's, but he's not playing the Rangers and these, you know, the Nationals now and the Cubs. He's going to be playing against the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the Rays. That's going to be tough. Like, you've got to come in, and you're in a hitter's ballpark. So, yeah, all in all, I don't like it. I don't know why. I just feel like Boston – you know, their luck runs out. They've been very fortunate to be healthy. And do they have what it takes to you know, keep winning? We'll see. So I, I think the thing that really worries me with the Red Sox is let's just say in theory, they make the playoffs, right? And let's just say they win the wildcard game and they make, or they win the division and they make it to the actual like series playoffs. They're pitching all year. Like you have Erod, Ivaldi, and I think Pavetta's been their their three guys, and they've also had Richards, but he won't be pitching if Sale comes back. Those three guys, like they'll have great start, great start, terrible start, great start, terrible start. They they've been very inconsistent, so it worries me that when you have to win, um, you know, four out of seven games, if you just have a couple bad starts in there, you're done. Like you have to have consistency when the playoffs start. The other hard thing is this, you know, you're absolutely right. Once again, it starts, they have a great bullpen. I will give the Red Sox that their bullpen has been top notch. has been fantastic as well this year, Matt Barnes. Yeah. The, the thing that is going to be the trouble is in past years. So this first year, this is the first year they're trying it is they don't have a waiver wire. So you cannot pick up players that are being sent because teams don't want to finish paying them and it makes no sense to have on the roster and they want to make room for some of the younger guys that they can bring up. So, 
you don't have that clutch, that crutch to get these players to come on that you usually do to solidify your roster. So that's going to be really hard for the Red Sox to do. And they, they got to get deep, you know? Um, and like I said, I would say that they didn't have a great trade deadline. Whereas the Blue Jays to me hit a home run for this year to, for a win now perspective, the Yankees did an absolutely filthy and phenomenal job. Plus if we're going to talk about Chris Sale coming back. Well, Severino and Kluber are coming back and Kluber was doing really well before the injury. So that's like two other free agents. So, um, and the Yankees, their biggest need was left-handed bats. Their whole lineup was all righties besides Gardner after Hicks got hurt. So adding Rizzo, which I love Rizzo. I don't know why he's just, he just seems like he wants to, you know, <laughs> just to give you a, a story while we're on it too. I'm watching the Yankees and as of right now, there being no hit. <laughs> but anyway, by the O's, which it's not great. That's but bad. um, yeah. And then they added Joey Galloway, which they, it's their first time. Joey Gallo. Gallo. Joey, Did Joey, I say Gallo? Joey Galloway was a NFL receiver for a while. For the Bucks, right? For the Bucks. Yeah, and the Raiders. Yeah, he was fast. Yeah. So Joey Joey Gallo. We'll see what happens with that. They have him. You know, it's it's going to be a great. If you're a baseball fan, this is fantastic. Now, the other team that we don't really have to talk about is Steve's favorite team. Well, Steve's favorite managed team, the White Sox, because they're so far ahead. It's not even worth. They added a couple of pieces. They're going to be good. We knew that going in. We thought the Twins were going to do something. They didn't. The Twins are absolute trash. They've sold pretty much everybody. Well, I don't know. We'll see how the twins they are still in that mid tier range, but the white Sox are going to make the playoffs quite easily. They could probably start resting guys now if they really wanted to. Um, and then we're not going to go into a battle right now. The A's and the Astros are do both doing well. The Astros did not add much, uh, because of financial restraints and the A's usually can't add much no matter what, because, uh, Jeff Frischer's too busy paying Yeezy. So, um, go gap kids or whatever the hell he sells. Um, long story short, the A's made some really good moves, gave up a little too much in my opinion, especially for Sterling Marte. Um, and then that leaves us with the Mets who kind of are just a mess. <laughs> what do you see? Yeah. yeah. I'm looking at the NL East standings now and the Mets are in first by three and a half games, but man, they're not very good. Their win percent's really low. They have a negative run differential. I do have some faith in the Mets because their pitching's been decent all year. They've been had a good pitching staff, and their offense has been the big glaring hole in their team. But it seems like they've gotten a lot of guys healthy in the past couple months. They're starting to get it together again. So there is hope that they can kind of put this thing together. And the one thing, if you're a Mets fan, that you should be excited about is I'm always a believer that in the postseason, pitching is king. So you have that part nailed down will the bats come will you get the run support i don't know but if you have great starting pitching you have a chance to make a run in the playoffs so you can look forward to that however the phillies and braves very close behind them so if they do make the playoffs great but i could see maybe the braves making a run um i don't believe in the phillies for some reason but i could see maybe the braves making a run and actually overtaking the mets to win that division I feel like the Phillies are your anti-Mets, right? Their pitching has been really spotty. Kyle Gibson, who they just acquired, pitched yesterday, and he did an unbelievable job. And I'm pretty sure all of the 
Phillies announcers and people that follow them, their beat writers were like, wait, what is this? Is this a quality start? <laughs> I haven't seen one in a long time. So the Phillies look good. Um, yeah, I really liked what the Braves did because at least they didn't, you know, one of their guys got hurt, which is serious. It's their best player. Um, besides Freddie Freeman, I say they're both pretty high up there. And they were like, hey, we're going to retool. And uh, Solara did an amazing job. Um, I know he hasn't played on the field, but he made some crazy fun catches that pretty much a statue out there could have made. <laughs> and then, um, you know, adding Jock Peterson, he's just known to be an October type player who just goes out and kills it. That's going to be great. Getting Panda off your staff. That's going to be huge for them. Um, <laughs> You're talking about Pablo Sandoval. Yeah. He got traded. <laughs> Is he still getting paid by somebody? Yeah, the Red Sox. I don't know if he's still getting paid by the Red Sox, but he made a lot of money. Yeah. That guy has enough to be Kung Fu Panda for a long time. But um, yeah, they're going to be good. I'm trying to think um, who else they required because I got the big trades from the Phillies. I know they made some, um, I mean the Braves, they made some small trades. But it's going to be interesting. It's a three-team um, race there. I don't think any of those teams are going to catch the wild card teams. Um so they're going to have to catch the Mets. So, But the Mets, um, hopefully DeGrom can come back. Um, it doesn't look like Syndergaard's on his way at any time. So um, we'll see We'll see what happens. But I'm telling you, I who do you think won the trade deadline, Trudeau, out of your opinion? I think, see, it's interesting to me because I don't think you automatically win by acquiring players. I think that if you accomplish what you wanted to do, then you are a winner. So some of these bad teams that moved off of big contracts and got young prospects, it's a win for you. And so as far as the the buyers are concerned, like guys who, teams that acquired guys to improve their roster, um, while the Yankees, no, meh. I'm going to say the Dodgers because they had a huge need in that that number one starting pitching slot, and they added um, Max Scherzer. But the Yankees acquired a lot of good players. So both of those teams did a phenomenal job in adding talent. I think the Dodgers, when it comes down to it, I've watched JoJo Gray. I hated that he was part of the deal. JoJo Gray is their number two prospect. He's been called up. He did a pretty good job. He's a strikeout machine. But for every like four strikeouts, he lets a home run up. <laughs> so giving him up, that was pretty crazy. Um, giving up Ruiz just makes sense. There's no point of keeping the poor guy. You're holding him hostage in the uh, in the minor league system. So not only that, you're now putting pressure on Corey Seager, who's a huge free agent, right? And you're like, dude, you walk, that's fine. We have Trey Turner to play your position, who's a better shortstop just not as clutch of a hitter and he's a right-handed bat. So the there's those teams and then there's the teams that were disappointed in. So Trudeau, who is the loser of the offseason? Who's Trudeau's loser of the MLB offseason? I mean uh trade deadline, sorry. I don't think there's any losers. They're all winners in my my mind. I don't know. In the pregame talk and you've already threw some shade on them, there was one team that you said are just losers. <laughs> who was that? I forget. The Seattle Mariners. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, they're just losers. I, they're not losers or winners of the deadline. They're just irrelevant. They haven't made the playoffs in like 20 years or something like that. Yeah. But so do, I did want to give a shout out. Like I said, 
I thought that the Yankees and the Dodgers did a good job acquiring. But shout out to the Cubs because they are also a winner in this whole thing because they did what they had to do. Their franchise is not good. They have a bunch of pay, uh, players that are getting making a lot of money. They bit the bullet. They did what they had to do, and they did a fire sale and said, everyone's on sale. Come and get it. They did exactly what they needed to do because they needed to rebuild. So it's, good for them. It's the Schwarber curse. <laughs> That's the new curse. You you guys shouldn't let Schwarber go off. Um, The Mariners, I don't know if you caught this. Did you get to see after the trade deadline, a lot of GMs held um, press conferences, what one media person said to Jerry DePoto? Nope. No, go for it. Trader Jader, Trader Jerry, they asked him, was his phone broke today? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're in a weird spot because they are only a few games out of the wild card, but everyone knows they're not going to make it. So, like, do they buy? Do they sell? I think they were stuck in limbo where they're like, I don't know what I should do. Should I try to be better or should I just sell and just give up? I honestly think they should have sold because they are not a playoff caliber team, but they just kind of stood pat. I feel like they got their, they had their hands. They wanted to have their cake and eat it too. So they're just going to hold on to the roster, not give up any prospects and hope they make the playoffs. And that's what happened with them. Well, I think the other thing that you saw a lot of was teams willing to deal their best players, right? Like this was the crazy, this, this was the best trade deadline ever. No one can, there was 56 trades, the most all-stars were traded. I think there was 18 all-stars traded in this thing. It was it was like a video game. That's that's what it comes down to. Well, you know what uh, kind of spurred this wild trade deadline, right? Is I believe this is the first year that you cannot make moves as far as trades after the deadline. It's a true trade deadline. So in the past, you've seen the trade deadline come and pass. Then like a week later, you'll see like teams still making trades. And I just didn't understand why, why is there even a deadline if you're going to do this? So this year is the first year they had a true t- trade deadline. So trades had to happen. Did they happen? It was amazing to watch and it was really fun. And I know if you're a Cubs fan or you're a Nationals fan, you're probably crying in the dark in some some room in your, your house. And you're probably, you know, I don't know. Have you ever watched the when Ace Ventura finds out that the... <laughs> the lady is a dude and he made out with them and then yeah. <laughs> burns his clothes and shower that's practically what all of the national fan base and the cubs fan base did after the trade deadline the only thing the nationals wish they could have done differently is probably trade away steven strasburg right because his contract's another one of those just giant uh money eats of a contract i think he got like something like five years 200 million dollars or something absurd at the time, it was hard, right? Um, you got a guy coming off of being the MVP of the World Series. I know he literally was six and zero or five and zero, something ridiculous. And you lost out on Bryce Harper. You're trying to make it up to your fan base. How about Juan Soto and Wilson Contreras, the catcher for the Cubs and <laughs> top five baseball player in the world right now for the the Nationals? They're just looking around like, dude. <laughs> Especially, I kind of feel for uh, for Juan Soto a bit because they just won the World Series, and now it's like, oh, man, he's never been through a rebuild. So is there anything else that you want to touch on for baseball? No, I think, I think I'm ready for the next part, man. 
All right, because I think this is a good segue because you mentioned a team winning a championship or overachieving in this case of Steven Strasburg, and they felt obligated the next year to give the player a big contract to keep them around, right? And I think that's an excellent segue to another guy who was in a very similar situation in the NBA in Chris Paul, right? So he had one year left on his deal going into next year with a $44 million player option. I saw earlier in the week that he turned down the option, so he turned down $44 million. And my first thought was, oh, shit, someone's going to pay him a lot of money. Like, he was not turning that contract down to, like, take a minimum salary and play with the Lakers. My first thought was, wow, the Suns are going to give him a lot of money. And that they did. So today it looks like one of the first deals done was Chris Paul, four additional years. Or was it actually, I think it was three years I'll get the numbers, but it was $120 million for the Chris Paul trade or uh, re-signing, which is bananas, right? And I think it's interesting because really quick before you get in, I think like three or four years ago, Chris Paul signed that massive deal and everyone said that might be the worst contract ever. And we did it again. Oops. Oops. I did it again. He just got another massive deal for four years. How many times has Phoenix been in this? situation where they can sign an actual full good player so i'm just chalking this up to them not you know knowing what they're doing and then also i wonder how much booker had in this because isn't booker like really good buddies with him or no you would know more than i'm not sure about their friendship here's the situation so i did get the numbers it was four years 120 million so he's making an annual of $30 million for the next four years, which is a pay cut for next year, but he ex- it extends his uh, contract out several more years. Um, I think this is the scenario with, with um, CP3. So before he got there, that franchise was an absolute disaster. And from what I hear about it, the fans did not care. Nobody was showing up to the games. The Phoenix Sun fans were non-existent. He gets there. Kind of like, I mean, what else changed? He, they, they had the same roster, the same coach. They add Chris Paul, they make it to the finals. He brings excitement to the city. Everybody loves him. He seems to make everyone around him better. He's teaching the young players. And who has all the leverage now? Chris Paul has all the leverage. So either the Suns were going to do the smart thing and say, we're not going to give you all this money, and he's going to walk. And that looks really bad in the organization. The fans are going to turn on the, the Suns organization and the buzz that they created, it's going to be gone. Like it, it was, there was no love for the Suns before this run, and they created something special. And I think what happened was the GM and the ownership group was in a tough situation where they had to give him this money to keep him around, make him happy, because if not, he's going to leave. And all that camaraderie and buzz that was created in Phoenix, it all goes away. So in the short term, it works out. But I think two or three years from now, this is going to be an utterly utter disaster for the Suns organization. Well, my question for you is, okay, let's say you're the GM for the Suns. I don't know who it is, nor do I care. Um, but I do. It is um, actually, you know this guy, uh, James Jones, the former teammate of LeBron everywhere, the three-point marksman. <laughs> so you're James Jones. We both know, and we're going to read off some of these names. And for the listeners at home, that is Oh, this free agent class is pretty terrible. Who, where are you going to spend it? Why not give it to the all state guy? <laughs> you know, it probably 
they probably get Jake from State Farm as well. Whatever you get, all those guys. It, now you have a player who Chris Paul is not a punk in the locker room. He doesn't do much outside of it. He's a good Samaritan, right? No. Uh, he does. He does have a reputation to be disliked by other star players. He kind of rubs people the wrong way because he's very much. This is my team. I'm running this thing. We're gonna do this my way. But it works in Phoenix because they have a very young roster that's willing to listen to him and take his bullshit. So it, while he does rub some other stars the wrong way, like James Harden, for example, it works well in Phoenix. So that's probably how they're looking at it. And not only that, uh, I don't think the contract, the money's terrible, but you said three years, right? Is that four no, years? No, it's, it's four years. So by okay. that third and fourth year, it, the contract's going to be an utter disaster. Yeah, I don't... production versus the value. I thought they were doing what, and I'm not trying to bring baseball into this, but what the Dodgers do, they try to get two to three year contracts, load them up, and then they're like, fine, by the, the end of it, we're away from those seven to eight year crazy contracts. So, um, yeah, I, who are you going to spend it on right now? Mike Connolly? That's well, not going to be great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the wiser move, like if you're thinking long term, would to be just not spend the money and then spend it on your own players, your homegrown players, maybe DeAndre Ayton when his contract comes up, and when Booker gets... Uh, Booker know, already signed up. something, right? Uh, I'm unsure about his contract, but my point is like you could have spent it on your own players. I don't think you would have spent that money on a big-name free agent out there currently, uh, but for the Phoenix Suns, their hands were tied. You either re-sign the guy that revitalized your franchise, and you, you know, cave into his terms, or you let him walk and the fan base hates you now. Trudeau, the question I have for you is, did they raise the cap in the NBA? Um, I did see some cap numbers. I believe the soft cap is $118 million and the hard cap was like 138 But I don't know if that's more or less than last year. What happens in the NBA if you go over the cap? So there is a hard cap that you can't go over. Um, you're allowed to go over the soft cap. So I think that's like 118 if you're re-signing one of your own players. So like that bird rule, um, basically like if you have a player for, I believe three or four years, you're allowed to go over the cap. And those um, numbers apply for a player you traded. So if I'm, if I'm uh, speaking of, you know, Toronto, if I'm the heat and I acquire Kyle Lowry, I acquire his bird rights which means I can then go over the cap to keep him because he technically never was a free agent, even though he switched teams. Anywho, so you can go over the cap if it's a player that you're either keeping on your own team or you're trading for from another team. Okay, so yeah, it's one of those things. I get where the Suns are coming from. They, they're they hungry after another championship, like getting to the championship. You, you keep them away. You keep this guy away from the Lakers, which is another thing, but I don't see the Lakers they getting, I don't think that was ever going to happen. Who was his other suitors? Cause there's gotta be someone. I mean, I'm sure there were other suitors, but nobody was going to be able to offer him that much money. Yeah. So once again, James Jones, <laughs> first time, <laughs> like I said, it's, it's not the wrong move. Like you had to do it to keep him there to, to retain what you just did. But, it's a short, it's a short term move. So like after this upcoming season, it's going to be bad. So basically you're, you're paying him now to hopefully maybe win a championship next year, which to be honest with you, I don't think they were a finals team this year. 
Like they didn't deserve to be in the finals. If Ouch. they would have been out in the Mikey, they would have been out in the first round had LeBron and AD not had injury issues in the first round of the playoffs. Like they were down. If people don't remember, they were down two one to the Lakers in the first round. So, you know, things broke their way. Like the first round, they played the Lakers, no AD. Um, the second round, I believe they played the Nuggets without Jamal Murray. Um, the the finals, the conference finals, they played. Where they play the, they play the Clippers without uh, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi. So, th- the entire run to the finals, they lucked out. So I think if you ran it back again with everybody healthy, they're not making it to the finals. And if they're not making it to the finals, they're not re-signing Chris Paul right now. Yeah, you know we're gonna see what happens. They're relevant right now. Let's let's be honest. And when was the last time? And that's why they're paying Chris Paul because this is the first time in like 10 years since like Steve Nash, they've been relevant. <laughs> that guy that was counting the hundred dollar bills probably helped out with all his hundred dollar bills. <laughs> he donated some hundred dollar bills. <laughs> you know, uh, the, the Chris Paul fund. So, but here's some of these guys. Okay. Uh, the Kings just inked Alex Len to two year contract. Um, <laughs> JaVel McGee agrees to a one year with the Suns. The Knicks resigned three. I'm not going to go through that. Mavericks signed all-star. Well, amazing. Reggie Bullock. <laughs> well, the Knicks, the, really quick with the Knicks one, though, you said there was three. One of them that was very interesting was they actually re-signed Derrick Rose. Who's, oh, wow. Who, really? His career, man, that guy's career arc has been something remarkable. So they just re-signed him three years, $43 million. So that's a good a good chunk of change. Like It's not a max deal, but it's a, it's a respectable contract in the NBA. I mean, I remember, God, five years ago when he was with the Cavaliers and they pretty much cut him. And there was videos surfacing on Reddit and stuff of like him in a random YMCA shooting by himself during the NBA season because he didn't have a team. And it was just like the saddest thing to see former MVP Derrick Rose, like just shooting in in your local YMCA while the NBA season's going on. So to see him kind of rejuvenate his career, starting with maybe... The Timberwolves, he had a he was pretty good, and then after that, I believe, um, where was he after the Timberwolves before the Knicks? Do you remember? I don't. Okay, well then he he ended up with the Pistons somehow. wasn't He was okay with the Pistons, but to see him come full circle with the Knicks and actually like be a contributor and uh, a six man of the year candidate, like it's it's pretty remarkable. Hey Trudeau, who's the guy? Because this is two right now. I'm calling it okay. Remember when LeBron was on the Cavs, they had some European guy who wasn't very good. He was a smaller guard, and then he like cashed in like a pretty sizable deal with I think it was the Pistons actually. Hmm. This is the Cavs, the Lakers. The Cavs when they went through that run. The only player I think you're talking about, and he's not European, was it Matthew Delavadova, the Australian? Yeah, 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 that guy. Sorry, it's okay. <laughs> he was European. Yeah, so uh, Alex Caruso just signed a four-year deal with the Bulls. Wow, and, how much? Uh, $37 million. This is crazy. Okay. Um, he He's interesting. He's not a bad player. I mean, he's respectable. <laughs> I've watched him play. He's actually a decent defender for being a white guy. Like, he's <laughs> he's pretty long for a point guard, and he hustles real hard. He's not a bad player. Okay, it's thirty-seven million. Good. I mean, some of these other contracts are worse. It's not the worst one I've seen today. Okay, you got Evan Fournier deal. 
four years with the Knicks. Boston you, fans are shook after that one. Gary Trent Jr. gets a three-year deal. These guys, come on, man. This is like, this is crazy. This is like a video game too, but like the don't do it video game. I'm glad I don't see Orlando's name with any of these teams. Yeah, I will say like I've, I've oh, PJ Tucker just signed with the Miami Heat. Oh, that looks really. I like PJ Tucker, especially yeah. on the Heat. He works hard, and they're gonna get him better in shape and all that stuff. Man, that that Heat team. So we didn't talk about the the elephant in the room with the Heat getting Kyle Lowry. We were but hoping that, that Emmanuel was here for that, but yeah, not. that Heat team man is gonna be team scrappy. Like their starting lineup, you'll have Kyle Lowry, who's like scrappy, annoying, take charge guy. Um, Jimmy Butler, another scrappy, annoying guy. Bam Adebayo, scrappy, annoying, athletic. And then PJ Tucker is like king of like being annoying and scrappy. That team's going to be a tough team to play. Yeah, I wouldn't want to play. And Pat Riley and uh, what's his name? Their coach over there, the guy they've had Spolstra, forever. Eric Spolstra. Yeah, they, they've done a good job. You know, they're always consistently good for the most did, part. Did you see the Kyle Lowry deal? No. What is it? Three years, 90 million, which I think it's a bit much for Kyle Lowry at this point in his career. But it's a, it's one of those things again. Like if you want to get that guy in your team, you're gonna overpay and bite the bullet. I I wonder how he's gonna look on the off season, like after they get him in and do their whole, you know, stick that they do. I want to see how that's gonna work out because they're good at getting you in shape and. Are you calling steps. Kyle Lowry fat as is? I'm not. I'm just saying that I don't think he's ever had. I would love to see someone. I know Westbrook is with the Lakers, but I would have loved to see Westbrook go there and see because he's already a maniac in the offseason. Imagine him with like the Heat trainers. Yeah. Like, as far as like the fit, like culture wise, Westbrook would be great. But as far as basketball wise, I, I don't love that at all. No, because Jimmy will be mad after a certain while being like, what the hell is going on? Why am I not shooting enough? He sucks. Get him out of here. Oh, so, and then the other other big deal from uh, the free agent opening was Lonzo Ball. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw that. What do you think about that, Steve? The Bulls I think doing it was like four years, nineteen million each with uh, the Bulls. I don't know, man. The Bulls are just grabbing straws at this point. I don't, I don't exactly know what they're doing. They're trying to just add as many pieces and hope it works. I mean, they still have Vucevic from last year, which will help them out. Zach Levine's a good player. He was an All Star last year. Um, the thing about those guys is they can stretch the floor a little bit. They, they have the ability to shoot threes. Lonzo, obviously, he came into the league as a really bad three-point shooter. He's definitely improved. I do think it's interesting as far as the defensive percep- uh, part because the Bulls, when they received Vucevic, Mike, and you know this as a Magic fan, their offense got marginally better with Vucevic, but their defense got awful. Vucevic... While he's an all-star caliber center, man, his defense is so bad. So maybe Lonzo Ball helps to kind of shore up that defense a little bit. But I don't think it's a move that makes them significantly better. No, I think the Bulls are kind of lost. I think they're where you always say you don't want to be, right? They're like that six to eight seed where you know even if you get into the playoffs, you're not really going to do much. The Orlando Uh, Magic seed. That's what we're gonna call it. Is the Orlando Magic seed? That that's, that's nice. perfect. Yeah, that is true. We haven't been good in a while for that. 
What do you think about uh, Michael Connolly going back to the, the Jazz? The jazz. For, on do, you know, do you have the numbers on that? Uh, let me see. I can. Probably... It's three years. You can look up the, the the money, but for three years, man, I think he did a great job. His first year was a little rocky. There, he didn't really perform, but last year he was fantastic. I believe he was an All Star last year right, with them. Um, I think if you're the Jazz man, like you have to be happy with how your team performed last year. They were the best seed. I think the the number one seed in the West, correct? Uh, the Jazz, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sixty eight million, by the way. Three years, sixty eight million. So it's we're looking at like twenty three, a little yeah, under twenty three year. It's reasonable. I think it's a reasonable contract. I don't know what their entire situation is like as far as the other guys and how they're going to pay other people. But like I said, it's another one of those situations where you're the Suns, right? You had something good going for you last year, and you just don't want to screw it up. So like you might overpay to keep your core together, but you're hoping to recapture that magic um, and potentially get to the next step next year. I mean, they were... I don't recall if they had any injuries in the playoffs. I know Mitchell was a little banged up going in, but you know they they are very close to actually making it to the conference finals. They were the number one seed last year. So what you're going to do is you're going to pay your guys to keep the core together because if he walks away, you're kind of screwed. You know what I mean? So you're going to overpay a little bit. Unless you get Chris Paul. <laughs> yeah, which that wasn't going to happen because someone's going to pay him $30 million a year for four years. Well, we, we've touched on the subject before. It's harder to get guys to sign in Salt Lake than it is in it is. Miami, you know? So when a guy wants to say they're of a talent like Michael Conley, you got to take him. And you brought up a great point. You want to make sure that you have players that are of that caliber. And once again, he's one of those guys who never says crap after a game, who just shows up with his lunch and he's ready to play so and he's not letting anybody eat his lunch which is really important but i don't know i think that this is one of the worst free agent classes i've ever seen yeah it makes me happy to be a magic fan because we did a lot of our well listen we didn't the magic have made zero moves in the free agency right and i'm happy because we have to be a very financially savvy team right they spent the money last year to re-sign fultz and um isaac okay We're building a young core. We're not overpaying anyone and getting trapped into some bad contracts. I like the way the Magic are doing it. It's a slow process of getting things just right. We're not the Bulls where we're just going to be throwing money at everybody and then just ending up with a heap of shit. Like, that's how the Magic ended up as the perennial six seed because we we got guys like Aaron Gordon, Fournier, Vucevic, a couple other on big contracts that didn't make any sense. And we couldn't get over the hump because we just had all the money tied up in like a few guys that were overpaid. So I like what the Magic are doing. Um, what do you? Th- I mean, I'm just glad we didn't resign Fournier. I'm just so glad that like this is bad. This reminds me a lot of when they moved up the salary cap a little bit, right? And teams went bonkers, spending money like crazy. I think Michael Conley was actually a free agent that time too. And you had Tyler Johnson, you had Kelly Olynyk. these guys getting these ridiculous contracts. And you're like, wait, why is this happening? And then the year later, right, Trudeau, what do they do? The cap went down and everyone was like, oh, oh God, crap. Yeah. You know, the Nets, remember the Nets taking that huge contract and be like, yeah, Tyler Johnson, Tyler Johnson can shoot. It's going to be great. And he wasn't, you know, you got to be one of the smart teams right now. But that also 
asks the question, do they need more talent in the NBA? No. The NBA has been like the, the talent pool now in the NBA is better than it's ever been in the past. Like there are more star quality players now than there were ever. Like each team can have like multiple superstars and there's plenty to go around. If you look back at the nineties, there's only like a few teams with like top tier premier players. And those Trust teams me. would be dominating everybody else because it was just unfair. I think even like the bad players in the NBA are, are really good nowadays. Like if you see like uh, we had Mo Wagner on the Magic, right? And he was just a bum scrub, awful. And then he's in the Olympics, and he's working people, man. I'm telling you, he's dominating people for Germany in the Olympics. So there's just so much talent in the NBA nowadays, from the superstar level to the role player level. Everyone's so damn good. I think this the NBA has been as healthy now as it ever has been in its history. I think also the reign of LeBron is kind of coming to an end. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's going to help out the sport. Um, I don't like the whole player. They're going to have to figure out some way that players can't pick where they want to go when they're unhappy. You know, it's like, fine, we'll trade you to the freaking, I don't know, Orlando. <laughs> or we'll trade you to the Suns before they were good. I mean, yeah. you, do you understand why they'd want to leave, though? Like like the James Harden situation, Like I understand why he'd want to leave. I, I kind of understand why these people want to get out of here. Well, because here's the thing, right? As a sports fan, maybe not you, but a lot of sports fans watch guys and they're like, oh, this guy sucks. He doesn't win championships. Oh, he's a bum. Like, oh, he doesn't have, like, he's not X place in my legacy meter because he, he doesn't have any rings or whatnot. And it just makes people want to win, right? You incentivize people to like be like, oh, I'm going to be thought of as some bum if I don't win, right? And what does that do? If you're on the Rockets and you're James Harden, you know you don't have a good enough team around you, what do you want to do? I want to get out of here. I want to win like because I'm tired of being called a bum and a loser. So as fans, we constantly call players losers and say they're not winners and yada, 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 win a ring. And then when they leave their team to try to win a ring, then we make fun of them and criticize them then. So I don't know what they're supposed to do. It just seems like everyone's going to bitch and moan no matter what because that's just what we do. I would just love to see how Giannis did it, right? Where you stay somewhere. And I know that this year, injuries, whatever, they can't control injuries. It's not their problem. But it's one of those things that I want to see these guys stay and kill it where they are. Yeah, but here's the thing, right? Like, if you're Giannis and you stay with the Milwaukee Bucks for all that time, you have to win not because of how skilled you are, but rather, does your do you have a competent front office, right? So you need to have the people in charge put the right pieces around you to win. So are you saying Daryl Morey was incompetent? <laughs> what's that? Are you saying that Daryl Morey did not know what he was doing? <laughs> yeah exactly but the thing is like would you want like if you were at a in your job and you wanted to succeed wouldn't you want to put yourself in the best best place you can to succeed like let's say you work at a company and the ceo and the board members are all incompetent and they constantly make the wrong decisions and constantly put you behind the eight ball and screw you over you'd want to get out of there you want to work for google or you want to work for um, Amazon, I don't know, where, wherever is being successful, you want to go work for that company. You don't want to work for the company going under. The same thing with these NBA guys. like They get drafted to the team that maybe they don't want to be on to begin with, and then they might have competent um, ownership and management, or 
You might be like, I don't know, the New York Knicks, where you're always just a laughing stock because your owner's a joke. Well, the Knicks, I understand, right? And that, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that that's going back to Carmelo Anthony. He wanted to go there, whatever. But I thought the Rockets did a good job with Harden and trying to build around him and all that stuff. They just couldn't win. Yeah. And I think like we're on Reddit and people on Reddit are making some good comments. Like one person does agree with me that, you know, you would want if to be successful and go to the place that you had the best chance of succeeding. And another person does say that they'd like to see players stay on their team, but they kind of understand that's not possible. I mean, if you stay on your team, that's great. You can be Charles Barkley. Like, I mean, he did leave and go to the Sixers, but like, no, Charles he went Barkley to the Suns. Yeah. Right. Right, yeah. But like let's just say like you can be a player like that where you're thought of as an all-time great, but you never win a championship. And that's fine. You could you could be that guy who stays at the one spot and people love you and you're considered a great of all time, but you might never win because you might have incompetent ownership around you. Okay, but, let but let hear me out here. Okay. So Kevin Durant, they had great ownership and him leaving right that didn't make much sense and okay, LeBron, yeah we started this mess the celtics started it <laughs> so they're the ones that supposedly started well, the i love how i love how people give the celtics a pass because they're like <laughs> it wasn't the players who chose to put the celtics together it was the Idiot. ownership so it's okay like that's kind of what people do about the celtics and there's their big three well there's like but and I keep on bringing Harden because I think the Rockets beforehand, right, did everything they could do to make him happy, right? Bring He wanted Westbrook. They brought Westbrook. They brought Chris Paul to make him happy. You know, that to me is just some some of these players. Can we agree? I get, I get it. Was like, come on. No, you I know? think I think you got a good point with the Harden situation. Like, while, while he wanted to get out of there because at that point in time, it just wasn't going to happen. There was not going to be any winning with just him there and the guys around him. It was a bad team around him. But I do agree that like they did try before to get guys around him and pair him with the star to make it happen. So it's a bit of a different scenario with James Harden. But at the time when he did leave, like they weren't going to win. You have to admit that. And it was time to like call it. No, I totally get and. I don't think the answer was to trade him and then grab whoever they got for him or when they got, what was it? They traded for John Wall and whatever. Like, I just think that's when it, it's kind of when Orlando after when Dwight wanted to leave as well, they tried to make a couple of trades to make Dwight happy. And it was like, this is a no win yeah. situation, but that's where maybe because we're magic fans and we saw Dwight leave and we saw Orlando go out and get his best buddy, which was Rashid uh, Lewis Richard at the Lewis. time, Richard Lewis, and then go out and get Hito Turkaloo and put a strong team around him. But I just, I don't understand. Like I get why they want to be traded, but like, for instance, why did James Harden leave the thunder? Cause he wanted to be the guy. Then he got a chance to be the guy. And now he doesn't want to be the guy. It's kind of like, dude, just, you know. Well, yeah. And I think, I think part of that is like he was the guy in Houston. And I think he enjoyed being the guy. Like he was balling, man. He won MVP. Did he win multiple MVPs in uh, Houston? Didn't he win two? Yeah. I think he won two MVPs in Houston. He was the man. He was loving it. Houston loved him. But what did all the people that were fans of NBA say? Oh, this guy's a loser. He can't win. He can't win anything. So, like, while he's satisfied that I want to be the man craving, check that off the list, 
Now he's just being called some some yeah. greedy, selfish ball hog, and he wanted to win. He wasn't appreciated. And when you yeah. feel appreciated, think, you're, you know? I think at the end of the day, like fans of any sports were kind of emotional. And I, I mean, that's what sports is. Being a fan is technically it's being a fanatic, right? You're emotional. You're invested. You want to see your team win. You want to see your guys do well. End of the day, if a guy stays and underperforms, it's overpaid. We call him a bust and he's not working hard and he's not worth the money. But then if he leaves to go win because we're, you know, because we're criticizing him, he's a traitor and he needs to stay and, you know, you know, win on his own. I think players in general are just in a tough position where we're going to find a way regardless to critique and, and pick on guys. So I to all the sports fans out there, Let's just have a little more fun with our sports, huh? I feel like we're always angry. Just enjoy it. Enjoy it, man. Just enjoy it. Enjoy your talent, especially. <laughs> I just think that the NBA owners, like some of them actually try really hard to make their star players happy. And coming from a, you know, a franchise like Orlando where we lost Shaq, we lost T-Mac, we lost, you know, uh, Dwight Howard over... Like, what else do you want them to do, guys? It's like, you know, it's the grass isn't always greener. I do want to see more guys stay put and do what Giannis did. I won't consider Jimmy Butler, but I felt like Jimmy Butler was like, hey, I'm going to go to Miami and just do my own thing. You know what I'm saying? I want to see that. I want to see that again. I want to see that being cool again. I want to see what happens with Tatum as well. Is Tatum one of those guys that he's he's good enough to be really, really good, right? Be a top 10, right, player if he's not already. Booker's yeah. another one. Um, Steph Curry, he's been with now after today, he's going to be with the Warriors for however long, unless he demands a trade. Right. But that's another one of those scenarios with, with Steph Curry where the organization was competent. They drafted Draymond Green. They drafted Klay Thompson. They put the pieces around him to succeed. So he's going to be happy. He's not going to want to leave. It just makes sense. Yeah, and, I mean, good on Giannis. I know, I know, we're praising Giannis and good on him for sticking it out. But the organization again did right by him. They got Chris Middleton, which he wasn't a highly touted guy with the second rounder. But a more a more damning fact is that they went out and they spent, I think, four, three first round picks and a couple pick swaps to get Drew Holiday. So they were aggressive to say, "Hey, man, we're going to make this work for you here." And not all organizations are willing to do that. No. Um, the other thing, though, too, is like think of some other players that like Kawhi Leonard. I understand why Kawhi left the Spurs. When he got hurt or sick, no one visited him. He's a very – I'm, t- I'm telling you, no one visited him in the hospital. That was like the last straw. And then right when he came back, he requested to be traded, and he went to Toronto. Do you think that he ever regrets being like – I know Emmanuel's not here, which is a really great question. Like – do you think he regrets leaving Toronto? I just remember. Absolutely, absolutely not. Really? That, so there was a, I, I read some piece about some of the back room deals that occur in the NBA. So like guys getting paid stuff off the salary cap, essentially. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I am fairly certain that uncle Dennis, if you remember that from uh, the Kawhi free agency summer, I'm pretty sure he got Kawhi a little something extra in LA outside of the salary cap. Oh, I bet. Plus not only that, the Clippers owner is ridiculously Steve Ballmer. He's rolling in the dough, man. He's rolling in the dough. 
So no, I get what you're saying too. Um, but it's going to be fun. Another name we didn't bring up is like to see what Donovan Mitchell is going to do. Like, mm-hmm. is he going to ever say that he wants to be traded? He's another cornerstone. He's piece. already been like kind of pissy um, this, this past season. So I, I am questioning if he would stay there long-term. I think eventually Donovan Mitchell will not be a jazz. Yeah. I, I don't know. Now that Dwayne Wade's a part owner, that might help because he looks up to that guy. So, all right. I think, I think I'm enjoying the NBA talk. I could talk NBA with you all day, man. We'll circle back next week and talk more basketball, but let's get some quick closing thoughts and get out of here. I'll be very quick with mine and then I'll give you a chance to kind of think of one for yourself. Okay. I already got one, but yeah, go ahead. All right. So I want to give a shout out to right now, if you're listening or if you're, if the car company is listening, listen now, or someone can send it to the car companies, Ford, Chrysler, you know, Chevy, listen to this and take this advice. This is free of charge. You don't even have to, you don't have to pay me for this idea. You need to come up with a second horn button. All right. (laughs) We need the friendly honk already inside the horn. So you know how, like if you're driving down the street, you see a friend or maybe like someone's at the stoplight in front of you, it turns green, but you don't want to like slam on the horn and be mean. You just want to give them like a little, Hey, Hey, like a little tap, a little tap on the horn. (laughs) One that but just says hey hey, <laughs> just something like maybe hey hey or just like a little like a eh, eh, like a like a little like a clown horn almost. I'm I'm petrified to like do the horn and say what's up or like give someone the horn at the light because I don't want to be like mean and like lay on the horn, but I want to just give them a little hey. So car companies, Ford, Chevy, Chrysler, put a second horn button in your cars, the friendly horn. So it's a second button that's just a not aggressive honk, just like a little. Hey, honk. All right. Do that for me, please. I would very much appreciate that. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good idea, Steve. You should go to Shark Tank and pitch it. <laughs> you know, make a prototype. There you go. Get Seamus in on it. He's going <laughs> to let you stuff, right? There you go. Um, mine, I'm just going to give you a tidbit for the day that a lot of people don't know. So in the MLB trade deadline, you have to fill out paperwork. And one of the reasons you have to fill out paperwork is so that the league can officially make sure that the trade is legit and both teams agreed on it. A long time ago, a lot of people don't know this. So it this is legend. There's no one around that can still say, but I'm going to tell the story anyway because I heard it this week and I'm very intrigued. So one late night, the Yankee brass and the Red Sox brass got super drunk together at a bar right and they agreed to trade ted williams (laughs) for mickey mantle wow and they got so hammered this was on mlb network this wasn't on like something just online um and what happened was they were so shit-faced they they didn't finish the paperwork that night like they put it out and the trade never went through but imagine how much that would have changed things who wins that trade wouldn't that have been crazy who wins that trade Oof. i don't know how many championships does ted williams win if he goes to new york i don't know i don't know you that know would have been that is a story man i gotta vet that look i don't look that i, I was watching this show on mlb network and they were like it was all about trade deadline stuff and it's stuff that you don't even imagine like another little thing that i'll tell you before we go it takes a second is that they when you get traded the team that bought you right 
gives you seven days at a hotel. After that, you're on your own. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of cool little crazy things that you don't know that goes on behind. But imagine that. Imagine being traded multiple times during a year. That must suck. Imagine being like a guy who gets traded seven, eight times in your career. That's got to be awful. <laughs> He's single. That's we, that's we should do that next week. I want to find out who, what major league player in any sport has been traded the most times. Oh, God. I know that there's traded that's different than signing. I know that. No, traded. Like against their will, just being traded somewhere else. I would say that Bartolo Colon has to be up there. <laughs> that guy's been traded. Jake Diekman of the A's have, has been traded a, a lot too. Well, let's look that up for next week. We'll come back and, and discuss that, okay? Oh, man. We should get a minor leaguer on our podcast so that they can tell us how it is. That'd get on it. Get on it. Yeah, what? I'm going to creepily go up to someone. Hey, want to be wanna on, my- come on my podcast? It's called The Balls Podcast. We got balls. I think they'll love it. Well, and speaking of love it, I hope you guys loved our podcast today. It was a little wacky, just me and Mikey hanging out. Hopefully, Emmanuel's okay and got back home safely. We missed him so much today. But if you enjoyed the podcast, please remember to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you want to participate in our Twitter polls, on Twitter, at GotBallsPodcast. I want to thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Peace out.